0: Welcome to The Horseman's Word, with your host, Dan Epona. This is Episode 2 of The Horseman's Word. As a reminder, if you enjoy this content, please consider subscribing to the show, either through your podcast app of choice, or to the YouTube channel. And make sure to follow the show on Twitter, at Horseman's Cast. Links to both are in the episode description. Additionally, if you're feeling generous and this content resonates with you, Leave us a review and spread the word. It's one of the best ways you can help out the show. I wanted to issue a caveat leading into the following conversation. Psychedelic substances have the ability to dramatically and fundamentally alter your framework of reality. There are recesses of the mind we rarely visit, and one should not stride so ardently to visit such places without due caution and proper preparation. Do your homework. Be safe, be smart, and be humble. This week on the podcast, I'm joined by Rob from Adeptus Psychonautica. Rob runs a YouTube channel focused on psychedelics, plant medicines, as well as exploring topics such as consciousness and the nature of reality. He has attended a number of ayahuasca retreats across the globe, taken part in numerous DMT ceremonies, and is a veritable knowledge base on all things mind altering. His skeptical approach to these subjects is something I strongly respect. And one of the reasons I was so interested in having him on the show, if you're interested in the world of psychedelics and haven't had the chance to check out his material, you can do so on his YouTube channel, Adept to Psychonautica, which I highly recommend, and you'll find a link to all of Rob's content in the description below. I've been looking forward to this conversation all week, so without further delay, Rob, welcome to the show.
1: Well, thanks a lot for having me on, Dan. It's always a pleasure to talk to a fellow psychonaut, mate, so uh, yeah, thanks a lot
0: for, for inviting me. Oh, you're very welcome. So to start with, I actually wanted to do Talk about the first time you took a psychedelic substance. If you, what can you remember of that experience and, and what you and what you took away from it?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, what I remember from it was, um, I, I, I was, the very first time I took a psychedelic, I was, I think, 14 years old. And it was, I took LSD because I, came, I come from a kind of city of Manchester and that was, it was just floating around a lot of that time. This was kind of coming into around, you know, the 90s, the sort of where rave culture was really taking off. And it was just everywhere. And and I remember my, not to incriminate him too much, but my older brother passed me some and said, try some of this. It's, you'll have a good time with it. And so, yeah, me and my friend um, at age 14, possibly even slightly younger than that, um, took a hit of acid. And at first we had a really good time with it. And then it took a bit of a dark turn and it went completely wrong. Um, And it's a, a yeah, bit of a convoluted story maybe we could get into that later on but we ended up absolutely paranoid out of our minds that our parents knew what we were up to and just spent hours walking the streets just absolutely crapping our pants and it, it's very i i've i've no idea how from that experience i ended up doing it again because it was a nightmare it was an absolute um just just the worst possible introduction to psychedelics ever and this was a, rec- a fairly recreational door, so this wasn't having anything particularly visionary going on, and we were just laughing so hard. We had that really gig. everything was funny, and then it just kind of wasn't. Um, but yeah, it's I, I, I from that. I, I think it was just because the the, the the opening part was so much fun. It it left the door open for me to try it again, but certainly for the first. Yeah, all, all the first times I was I was doing psychics, mostly LSD. It was purely recreational, and I had no idea that there was this extra layer to it. I mean, you, you know, you you, you kind of you don't when you're a kid. You don't ha- think you don't really have those kind of tools in the toolbox to even recognize um, the extra layers to it. And I think yeah, it's probably um, as I got into my twenties that and I started experimenting with the food things. That's where I started recognizing there, there was actually something here worth exploring beyond just like a a, something that was very funny yeah i mean is that is
0: that kind of what led you to start creating the type of content that you do on youtube then obviously it's it's had it's had a significant impact on how you see life your outlook on life um so is that the driving force to push you towards creating this kind of content on youtube or was there something more you wanted to to get out of it
1: the the youtube content is is really a a byproduct of everything else. So, so the YouTube project as it was, just came from, I, I was doing what, I, I was already doing these kind of retreats and things like that. And I was doing what everybody else does. I was taking pictures, I was taking videos on my phone. And so I was just amassing uh, an amount of content. And after a couple of years, I'd, I'd gotten a lot of it and I didn't really have anything to do with it other than just maybe delete it off my phone. It was just taking up, taking up room. And then I was on one retreat, this is one-on-ones in, in Peru. And as we were leaving, they, they sat us all down to give us a talk about, you know, um, you know, this is just the beginning of the, of the work, you know, this is, don't just sort of leave here and go back to exactly how things were. And so they kind of gave us a list of recommendations of things to do and, um, you know, ways to kind of channel our energy into something that's sort of productive. And one of them was have a creative outlook. And at that point, I realized like, oh, yeah, shit, I don't really have um, a productive hobby. I would say I I was, I was playing a lot of video games, you know, I was doing a lot of sort of just sitting in front of the couch and, you know, easily spending eight hours, like just, you know, doing that or watching movies, but I wasn't doing anything creative. And so the idea kind of came to me um, initially just, just to start using this 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 footage or put it together, make some montage videos, maybe do some reviews of the places I've been in. And if you look at my early content, that's really what it was. It was kind of me um, critically reviewing the places I've been to saying, you know, th- this place is good. This, this place is worth the money. This place is not worth the money. I, I thought these guys were a little bit culty. You know, it was, that, that was the direction I thought I was going in. And I, and I thought that that kind of was a good, Mesh of my kind of skeptical, um, objective nature, and and um, you know the, the, these places I was going to. I, I didn't really, at that point, I didn't want to get too much into these ideas of talking about sort of spirituality or talking about uh, even doing things like like trip reports necessarily, because I, I thought there was, I thought that was already being covered. But I didn't see a a someone who was filling that niche of. Um, just providing the basic information like is is this a good place to go to you know like and I think one of the things there is that people struggle with separating out the experience that they're having because of the medicine with the actual place themselves and so people will often say this was the best thing ever even though the place been to might have been an absolute shithole and it might have been just not worth it so that's that was where I was trying to fill in and over time it just kind of evolved into kind of the things I'm at today where I'd, I'd started having wanting to share opinions on other things I was having conversations with people and recognizing that they were had having some kind of you know logical or like cognitive blocks or, or we're kind of believing certain bits of woo-woo without really questioning it and so that's why my channel shifted in direction a little bit.
0: That I can I can relate to what you're saying especially that I know for the first time when I took a psychedelic substance I was, I was I think I was 16 and I thought what I was taking was acid but it turned out to be um is it dom x dom dom x so it's like a it's like a, a, a an analogous substance of acid and it was, it was a very strange experience, um, but it was from originally reading trip reports before I'd had any experience with psychedelics that reading these people's experiences was like reading almost like fiction. It was uh, people glimpsing into other worlds and realities. It were just so alien compared to what you experience in kind of a sober state of mind in your day-to-day basis. So it was, that was kind of the carrot on the stick for me. I mean, uh, yeah, I can, Bad bad trip experiences is something we can we can talk about if if, if that's where the conversation takes us, um, because the, you mentioned, and it was interesting to me that there has been this rise in interest on in both the this, the kind of spiritual world and also the psychedelic world. It seems to be taken off, especially in younger generations. I think that's helped in part due to people like Joe Rogan and yourself and, and other content creators that put content out that that incorporate this this world. Um, but. Have you had any thoughts, or do you have any um, ideas, or or what are your what are your beliefs on why psychedelics and spirituality is kind of coming more into the mainstream?
1: Yeah, sure. I I, I think it's I, I think the, the the two things are and trying to give the, by the two things I mean the well I suppose three things psychedelics spirituality but also like, like you just mentioned technology and I think the the, the promise of all these things is connection. I think that's what we're looking for. We are, you know, I remember being a, a kid and we like first get on the internet. And when you have that moment of realization that, wow, well, I can, I can like talk to people over here and we can form a group. We can become like a team, you know, like I mentioned, I was, I was into video games. We can, make, we can make our own community here. We can, this, we could set up a forum and we can exchange ideas and doesn't, we don't have to be necessarily there at the same time. So the, that was like the initial promise of, um, of, of, you know, like the internet. And certainly, this is. I think this is why platforms like Facebook and stuff have have, have, have risen so hard, you know, because that, that's the same thing. It's like, I, oh, wow, I, I can reconnect with my family and the people I've not seen since school. And likewise, that's what's um, kind of been offered. Certainly, I mean, it, it's one of the things that gets offered through these kind of, through these retreats or this idea of a psychedelic culture. It's like, here's people like me and I can connect with them. And Not only can I connect with them, like, via sort of technology, but we can get together, and we we can share an experience. We can share something amazing, something transcendent, and then because of that experience, we can then you know develop these kind of like you know these these spiritual paths, and we can go down a, a journey together. So I think these things are all trying aiming at the same point, the same kind of need within us to, to yeah to feel to feel connected to other human beings, to feel like we are part of something, and I think that is. The thing that has been lacking, maybe, and it, and it and it probably is still lacking to a degree. But I think that's that's the the, the promise that people are latching onto, and I think it's a real um, promise. I think I think that's there, and I think the the question for us now, as a kind of like psychedelic community, or psychedelic culture, is like, well, first of all, are we actually a community? Like, are we are we are we going to just you know use this word, but you know, really, we just sort of connect in the most arbitrary, arbitrary, or can we use it to sort of, to cement the, the the missing block that was kind of there in society, like if you went back to say like the 1980s or something where, you know, everything was hyper material, and, you know, things felt very empty and vapid. And, you know, I think this is what the the culture is like pushing back against now No, we want to be connected, we want to be close to each other, we want to have something in common. We want, want to feel these, you know, these tribes. Then yeah, I think that's that's what we what we're kind of we can what we can get at if we put the effort in. And but of course, we you know we, we have seen this before in the 1960s where there was this huge surge of what felt like a a powerful new cultural experience. Which then the wave just kind of broke and it kind of slid slid away again, and I, I think that there's there's a chance of that happening again. And I think the the difference between the '60s and now is the technology aspect. The technology aspect cements it very firmly in the in the mainstream. Um, but yeah, I think we just need to sort of keep it keep that the experience grounded, keep it sort of realistic. Because um, I think this is where the '60s got it wrong a bit. It was kind of like just purely relying on the, on say, like the drug aspect to carry that revolution through to its kind of fruition. And I, this is something I, I speak against a lot of my, on my channel. I say, no, it's you know the the, the substance itself is not going to get you the distance. You're going to have to sort of put the work, in. you're going to have to get there yourself. And so, yeah, I think if we can reinforce that through the through this technology, and also along the way. Dispel the kind of the bullshit that's that's popping up. Then yeah, maybe there's a, there's a chance there of, of us being able to turn this into something useful. But we'll uh, we'll have to see how that one plays out. It's I mean it's, it's it's I actually think this is like a pretty incredible time to, to be alive. And so I think it's it's exciting. But I think there is a good chance of it just disappear into into nothing useful for maybe another fifty years.
0: Yeah. Oh, I, I I'm I'm in agreement with you that it's an exciting time to be alive. And I think that point you made was. Is, is super cogent in that there's always the danger of psychedelics, for example, becoming more commercialized, more like as more of a, a fashion statement. I mean, we've seen it with marijuana as the legalizations kind of crept across, especially in, in the States. There's, there's, there's I feel there's a, wee, there's a wee bit of respect then lost for the experience and it's more around, you know, different strains, which ones contain the most THC, et cetera. And it, it, it kind of pulls you away from what, as you say, the psychedelic experience should be about, which is finding that kind of shared aspect of humanity and, and using it as a tool to connect to one another rather than who can, who can trip as hard as the next person. Because you read these reports, especially of younger generations, especially of kids that maybe are, have just gotten into their kind of psychedelic experiences. And the substance mixing that they're doing and and the and the dosages that' they're using is it can't be healthy for for any developing mind it's probably not healthy for any developed mind um and I think there's a real danger there to of us losing the the, the kind of connection side of things and and looking at it more as a habit just the experiential side
1: yeah i mean i mean there is mate and i think even more so is that what I've certainly seen is that a lot of the people who are doing that, what you just described, when you, you can, you can get lost in this kind of experience and the, it is a kind of a weird thing about psychedelics because they're not kind of, a, they're not addictive in, in that way of that, you know, they, that you crave more, but you can get lost in the kind of the idea that you are sort of unlocking more by pushing yourself. Further. There is a challenge to them. I'll put it that way. Um, know and I've spoken out about a few guys who do this on my channel where people it's like you will be more spiritual if you do you know X and Y And, and sort of if I if I stay up for 72 hours straight and sort of yeah just keep drinking ayahuasca to us, then even though I you know you see these guys are just like a complete mess um and they'll be talking complete babble but they'll be convinced in their head that this is that they're actually transcending you know, into something something amazing and that this is the best time they've ever had it. And it's it kind of, it's damaging to the, the kind of, you know, for want of be a better term, the brand of psychedelics. Um, it's, um, yeah, it's, it, it, I was clearly, I think it's damaging to themselves. So, yeah, I think there is, there is, this is one why I, I always try and recommend towards like staying grounded and stuff like that.
0: Absolutely. It's, it's super important and, it, and, it's, and it's a message that should be should be preached, I think, um, in the in the kind of wider community and and see it more as a as a learning tool rather than just for the experiential side of things. And that kind of actually brings me to something else that I was interested in talking to you about. Because you you've done a few videos on how you stay grounded, especially, I mean, because it's no secret you've had your fair share of psychedelic experiences. And I was wondering if you could give maybe a little bit more of your thoughts and a wee bit more insight into and into the processes that you use to stay grounded, and and what the importance is of having a good headspace before you you take on these experiences.
1: Yeah, well, I, th- I think the first one is exactly what you just said. You have a good headspace before you take it. Like, no, I, I, you you've got to I think be on some kind of like baseline. Um, I, again, this isn't always totally possible. You know, a lot of people take these things because they are incredibly damaged, and that's you know, it, in in some cases, it's the last resort. So that this is not always the case and I've certainly been on retreats with like guys who've had like PTSD or, or very deep trauma um but it, I'd, I'd say even those guys were, were still pretty grounded they, they knew what they were getting into they weren't you know um absolutely sort of hysterical or, or, or really unstable they, they were just a word they were very damaged so I think it to into it knowing what you're getting yourself into um and what i one of the things i tend to do is make some notes um, before I go into an experience um, of just basically where, where I'm at before I go so that I something I, I can refer back to then. So like I I expect, you know, this is my intention for this experience. I intend to... Perhaps push myself into an uncomfortable place. I expect that it's probably going to make me deeply upset. It's probably going to make me sort of cry. I'm probably going to feel like I'm, you know, depending on what I'm doing. If I'm, it's like an ayahuasca retreat. I might, I might write down like, I, you know, I expect at some point I feel like I'm going to be losing my mind. But this is normal. This is the process that I'm signing up for. I know what I'm signing up for. I know I'm signing up for an incredibly challenging experience. Um, so that's one part of it is just to be aware of what you're getting into and you know, this, with all the other stuff of depending on where you're going. So if you're going to somewhere like the jungle, be aware of of how incredibly uncomfortable you're going to be in this just, you know, absolutely crazily humid environment with bugs biting chunks out of you every two seconds. You are so far out of your comfort zone that, you know, again, just prepare yourself. This is what I signed up for. And then I think the, the main thing is, just to keep in mind like this so like once you've sort of gone through the experience and the experience come you know will we'll play out it to wherever it's gonna play out um, but just keep in mind it doesn't end when you when you sober up that's not the end of it that's that's the start of it if, if anything so just keep in mind that all those feelings are gonna um, you know ramp up come to nowhere you're gonna you're gonna be feeling sort of um, Extremely sort of like destabilized. It could even come come back, you know, weeks, months later, where you, you think you were fine, and then suddenly you just all this emotional turbulence just appears. Um, just you know, have be aware that your thoughts might become very very strange. And this is one thing I always kind of arrange with with people before I go. Like, guys, I'm I'm going to go and do this thing. Um, just don't if I come back and start talking complete nonsense. Don't freak out. It's it's kind of it's path of the course but and in doing that i sort of i make myself aware of it and i think this is one of the things where i, I see people um get very yeah very sort of destabilized they, they it's almost like they forget that they are putting them through this exp- putting themselves through this experience so and then they have an experience of you know for instance like like godlike superpowers or something like that and just start to take it completely literally at face value, not, not giving themselves a buffer to sort this out. And I've even, I've seen people make life decisions in this kind of state. I've seen people leave the partners. I've seen people sort of quit the jobs, you know, and I, so I would always say like, do not make any big decisions probably within like the three months, at least after a deep psychedelic experience, because chances are you're not going to feel like that slightly afterwards. Um, but then there's just the very, you know, the very basics are make time for yourself. When you make time for you to be still, to to process what you've been through. Because if you think you can go through one of these really deep experiences and then just slide back into your nine to five job and like, la, 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 la. And, I, you know, oh, I had the experience that was on Saturday, but today is Tuesday. So it's business as normal and I'll be in the pub on Friday. It's like, no, for, like, forget it. You make time to really, you know, process this experience just to sit there and be still with yourself and think, okay, well, you know, what happened? What were the key takeaways here? What am I going to do with this? Like, okay, so this made me feel like that. Okay. What, what am I actually going to do with that? And, you know, meditations are the, the kind of very obvious one here, but everybody says you should meditate, they're right. Yeah, you should. Um, and then there's, there's various little, um, Aids to meditation that I, you know, I brought back from my travels. One is doing things like uh, rapé, which is a kind of uh, Amazonian snuff. I use that as a, as a way of kicking off my meditation practice, or smoking uh, Mapacho cigars, which is kind of cigars that come from Peru, or whatever you know, so do yoga, whatever it is, whatever your thing is. Um, but yeah, just, just it's just around that sort of make it being aware of what you're getting into, and then sort of having awareness of what you're going through. And made them making time to integrate it.
0: Yeah, that's. I think that's very important. I mean, to push a wee bit further into this, I know from my own personal experience, I must have started smoking uh, marijuana when I was maybe not super young, maybe about eighteen or nineteen. Smoked it for three or four years, pretty much daily, which I don't recommend for anybody because if you if you have a crux on anything, and you're doing you feeling you have to do it daily, that's an unhealthy habit. You probably want to take a look at. But I never had any problems with it, and then I had a DMT experience, which kind of shook my foundations quite quite a lot. And yep, yep. But yeah, especially your first one, I think it's 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 hard to know what to expect. And from that moment on, I I can't I can't smoke marijuana anymore because it throws me right back into that mindset that I think even today I still haven't managed to conceptualize and house in a framework that that sits well with my sober mind, so it will just throw me off. And it's it's a horrendous, horrendous experience now just to take like one, like, you know, one hit of a joint is just is too much. And in terms of what I was saying, how I wouldn't mind taking this a wee bit deeper. I mean, what is your opinion on the nature of self? I mean, and do you rationalise that that kind of idea of a self? And and how do you rationalise it when it's so altered during some of these experiences
1: yeah i i i flip-flop quite a lot on on these things and this is something this is one of the reasons i i I initially didn't go down this kind of road because i my my honest answer is i don't know but i do have an opinion which I'm, i'm happy to share um my my feel is um which which is completely contrary to how my head thinks. So yeah, this might sound a little bit garbled, but I, I, I feel like like we, we are kind of spectating here. Um, we are sort of, you know, talking about there the, the being no self and that there being no free will. I cannot help but agree with the logic of that. Um, that, yeah, I, why, why am I doing the things I am doing? Like, the, even the words that are falling go to my mouth, why am I saying them i don't know and if i stop and think about it i i i can't logically explain them um and and if i think you know if, if we took it to this this place of logic then you know really we are a a a pattern of energy that was you know really you could trace back to a sort of you know a, a, an explosion from the, the first point of the universe outwards and, and here i am and i'm just kind of really just, just spectating this experience. Now, of course, that's not what I feel like. I feel like I'm completely in control. I feel like I'm, I'm, you know, hello, look, look at me. I'm doing the thing with my hands. This is, this is me. But I, but yeah, but then if I stop and think about it, like, well, why did I choose to do that with my hands and not with my feet? And so I get myself tied up in, in kind of knots like this. And um, I've got a, a friend, a guy called uh, Dr. James Cook, who's a neuroscientist, and he, he does a, some studies on uh, consciousness. And his, his theory on consciousness is, is, is what he refers to as the, as the living mirrors theory. And I, I, I feel quite aligned with, with that theory, which is that, I'll, I'll kind of paraphrase it, um, but it's basically that we are both. We are, to use the analogy, um, if we, are, we are the juggler and we are the balls being juggled. Um, so there is a, a, a motion that is going on which we cannot, we, we are kind of powerless to, to do anything about. It's, it's the balls are being juggled and that is that. Um, but we are also we, we have the feeling of, of like the one who is in control of it. And yeah, I, I think that's, that's certainly how our when I, when my, I'm in these deep cyclic states, that's where I kind of more closely align. I mean, you, you do get these feelings of a complete dissolution of ego, dissolution of boundaries. Just complete, um, like. But still, even though that sounds like it's something that's st- kind of uh, stripping you away, you find a feeling of a place within the universe. It feels like you you are have a you are a part of this meaning. You have a you you have a purpose in being here, and you also realize just the vastness of of what is on offer there. what what, what is what the universe is and how impossibly incomprehensible it is, but you are a part of it. And yeah, it's it's kind of, it's. I, I think it's something that is not necessarily supposed to be understood or, or comprehended. I think it's something to be experienced. And this is something that, this is how I prefer to approach psychedelics, is as, as an experience. It's something... It's, it's my experience, it means something to me. It's not necessarily supposed to equal, come up with some kind of equation of A equals B you know, divided by Y. It's, it, it's just pure meaning it, it's, and, it's, and it's up to me, just as, as with anything else within my human experiences with like the birth of my children or getting married or you know, any, any of these experiences which meant something to me, they're impossible to quantify. Um, I mean, I could tell, I could tell you, you know, how much I love my wife, and you, you, you get it. You, but it still, it doesn't tell you. It, it tells you, you know, you've got a rough idea of it, but it doesn't give you all the intricate details. Just like no trip report really gives you the intricate details of that trip. It it could give you something, but as we know, it doesn't tr- compile down into the into English at all. Um, and so that's that's where I I try and get to. I'm all, all these things are stories are, are meanings are narratives for me to do something with and if I don't do something with it then it's kind of it's it's a wasted opportunity that's just then gone off into the ether and if you think you can sort of um dissect it into its components and like blah 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 blah, blah the, you know it is this then I, I I think that's also wrong i think it's it's just it it's just yeah the most personal thing experience i think it's possible to have
0: i mean it sounds almost as if you kind of equate these experiences to almost like a a, a divine experience and i'm i i know i did see on one of your videos that you said before all, all of this that you would view yourself as as an atheist um and i'm wondering how do you do you see any parallels between religious world and the psychedelic world because there's obviously a lot of crossover in terms of especially the spiritual side of it um is that something that you think about a lot or do you think they just it's just a lucky kind of coincidence that they coincide in the way that they do
1: no no i I think there's a lot a lot of crossovers there and i i would not be surprised to you know if we had a time machine to discover that religion or or certain civilizations are completely inspired by psychedelics, Uh, I was actually at the time of a conversation with a guy last night, and we were talking about ancient civilizations, and just the amount of inspiration that it takes to start doing something like Stonehenge, or, you know, and and again, Stonehenge is fairly small compared to something, say, like the Pyramids of Giza. What, What can you implant in the human mind that gives you the motivation to do that when you could be out, you could be out pillaging and conquering lands, you could be out, you know, mining gold, all, you know, all these things which are supposedly, supposedly, you know, important to people. you could be out sort of, you know, grabbing women, raiding other villages, grabbing women, all these things that you think ancient cultures were doing, but no, they, they were raising monuments to what they perceived as divine beings. And, well, how do you get everybody on board with that? Well, first of all, how do you get even the, the leaders on board with it? Because we're not, although they, they do their first share of it, they're not necessarily orally all building statues to themselves. They're building things to the divine, you know, things like the pyramids are, you know, allegedly sort of, you know, places to, to uh, for a dead body to kind of begin its soul journey. So you've got to believe that really strongly and, I think the, 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 probably the most logical way to explain that is, is via psychedelics, that there, there has been some kind of psychedelic experience which has given you an experience of the divine. And then that's why the, a, a culture aims in that direction. And, and it's, it's kind of surprising that, well, or, or not surprising even, that when you have uh, some of these deep psychedelic experiences, like with DMT or something like that, this kind of like ancient architecture, things like pyramids and, you know, Aztec sort of step pyramids and uh, so it just comes flooding out of these experiences from nowhere. And so it seems to me that, yeah, these cultures have of, of interfaced with these psychedelic experiences and they're then trying to recreate what they saw. So I think there's a very strong connection there between um, religion and, you know, ancient civilizations and, and psychedelics. And I think that's something that's just been lost over time the the atheist part of, of what i talk about I, it's just that it's easier I, um i don't think I, I wouldn't i'm certainly not the classical um atheist although i i, I would definitely was at one point um it's the reason I, I would identify as an atheist is just that i don't believe in um, the the kind of earthly religious texts and since that's what most people are talking about, it's like you know what do you believe in? You, they're really asking you, are you a Jew? Are you a Christian? Or are you a, you know, are you a, a Muslim? And I'm not. So it's just easy to say I'm an atheist. What am I? No idea. Um, yeah, do, do I, I, I think I've come around to the idea that there is something more than this. I don't know what this is. I don't claim to have any authority over that. I think I've, I've had experience of it, But not to the point where it's going um, to—it's making me having a direct influence over the the choices I make in in the kind of the waking world. So yeah, I I would just say it's it's easy to describe myself as an atheist because I I reject those earthly kind of texts, although not necessarily rejecting the um, the ideas or the or the humanity or or the spiritual journey behind them. I I can look at something like the Bible and complete respect that this is, you know, our ancestors trying to understand what must have been a completely different world, you know, where people can just drop dead, you know, you're healthy one day, you just drop dead, to, you know, two days later because you got sick, and, you know, if it doesn't rain enough, then, yeah, you, you know, you're screwed, and, you know, you're living in some of the, these very inhospitable places. So, yeah, I, I can totally, I, I have a lot of respect for um, the religious texts, and I, again I don't necessarily believe them, but i've got also got a lot of um dislike for the the organizations that have sprung up around them, which i think and so yeah in that in that regard, I'm an atheist because i don't I would not want anything to do with something like the Catholic Church or you know uh yeah just any of these mainstream religions
0: I mean you touched on something there that I found quite interesting, which was the idea of kind of ancient Ideas and symbology that emerge with these experiences. Um, like, as an example, in, in your your YouTube art, you incorporate symbology. You have what lo- looks to me to appears to be the Eye of Providence, which is suggested you can trace back to the Eye of Horus from ancient Egyptian. Um, Nike, for example, have the swish as their logo, but the name Nike is also references the Greek goddess of victory. Now, um, Starbucks have the um, the what is it, the, the twin tailed siren from Greek mythology. And these are all these are all kind of contemporary organizations and corporations that that that, that use this sort of, sort of symbology to, to advertise and promote the products today. And if if you let me go on just a wee bit more, just just I had a DMT experience where um it was a, it was a I was confronted with the, the, the this image of a of a snake wrapped around a pyramid. And before I'd had this experience I didn't pay much attention to symbology. I started doing a wee bit of research on what maybe things it could relate to or, or what it might mean. And and I realized or came to, to know that the snake, for example, depicts like a fertility and rebirth, which seems to be due to the way they shed their skin. You have the Ouroboros, which is the the image of a, of a serpent consuming its own tail, which seems to kind of represent eternal life and this kind of feeding back into the system that it puts back out again eternally. The pyramids um, were originally a symbol of Benben, which in the creation myth was this primordial mound that arose out of the waters of Nu. And as I said, up until that point, I'd had no real affinity to symbolism, but it seems every other psychedelic experience I had after that fact brought back to life and showed the same sort of symbology and and symbolism and imagery that's so prevalent in in these ancient cultures that we look at. So I agree with you, it seems... It seems almost too coincidental for the to for for the for them not to be related in in, in some aspect.
1: Yeah, I think I think it's I think a lot of this as well ties into things like uh, Jungian uh, psychology, where we we there are these archetypal figures, and you can relate to them like and I mean you see these in, in in the movies that that we watch. You know, I mean, if, if, there's a a lot of the uh, the Joseph Campbell stuff around the hero's journey is very sort of prevalent in all, all the kind of most popular movies like Star Wars, The Matrix and stuff like this. And, and you recognize these archetypes, you recognize like the, the young hero, the one who who sets out on, on a journey to, to gain new knowledge. And then once they've gained that knowledge, you know, they defeat, you know, the dragon, whatever the dragon is, whether it's Darth Vader or, or you know, the agents from, from The Matrix. And then once they've done that, they then return again with that knowledge to then take on a new role. And you know, so there's so all these different sort of archetypes of you know, like the, uh, like I say, the young hero, the old king, you know, the fool, um, you know, death, and it seems like I mean, again, I these archetypes pop out within these these cyclic experiences, and the, these these kind of ancient, what seems like ancient architecture also pops out. It, it, yeah, it's it's hard not to think that there's there's something hard coded into us as human beings, and I, I for, for whatever reason I don't know, um, I, yeah, that I I don't know what the logical reason is. There. And you, you get into all sorts of all sorts of theories of you know ancestral memories or memories being hard coded into genes or, or whatever. I don't know, um, but I just remember I I was startled when it when it happened because I at that point I did not think I was predisposed. Or pre-loaded to seeing all this stuff. And then when I did DMT, it just came pouring out of the ceiling. Or just just pyramids and you know, just all this, yeah, this mayan Aztec Inca stuff was just literally just just falling out of the living room. And I was just like, what the fuck is going on? And it was it was amazing. And and that was one of the things that made me want to go to Peru. I thought I've got to I've got to see this now. So yeah, I yeah, I mean, you could go down some right rabbit holes there, like, why why are we preloading things? But I think that's, I think that is one of the reasons why people have these very common experiences on something like DMT. Um, it's, you know, the, the, the classic, the sort of, you know, the, the, the entities and the sort of very crystalline cities and the, you know, the, the transforming geometry. It's, it's a very, almost like a, you know, a standardized experience. Um, across different cultures. So there's something in there where we're wired in, in a certain way, I think.
0: I, I agree with you completely. You mentioned um, that you went off to Peru. I mean, you've also mentioned that you've had experiences with, in your videos at least, you, you've had five EMO DMT experiences. And When you say DMT, most people would think of, of NM, dimethyltryptamine, which is the most kind of common form of, of DMT that you'd find. Having Being somebody that's not experienced five E O DMT, I mean, what would you say are the are the, the main differences and the effects? Are they are, is there is there similarities between the experiences, or are they are they fundamentally a different beast, so to speak?
1: Fundamentally different. Um, yeah, it, it's you've really got to forget the DMT part of the five M or DMT, and I think the, I, I think this is I I was as guilty of this as anybody else. It's just because of the name, you kind of expect. It to be DMT with a kind of you know with a twist DMT with a slice of lemon, and it's it's just not. Um, I would say um, DMT, DMT and NDMT, you you feel extruded out into you know a million possible pathways. All these things had kind to of happen in a it's quite in a chaotic kind of quite bizarre fashion. And then, as as you get into like a few minutes, it, they gradually kind of like coalesce back into one experience, and you end up with one kind of holistic um, experience. But before that, there's there's a real chaotic bandness to it, which I think is I think is is amazing, but it can also be quite quite uncomfortable. Because it's just so bizarre. Five um, M U D M T is the opposite. It instantly collapses down into the into this oneness, which then is is just the predominant factor there's very little going on visually there's very little going on in terms of wackiness I mean I mean there just isn't any kind of wackiness to it at all um, it's just um it, it, I mean it, it's it just is it just it just becomes this this experience of isness um it's yeah I so so they they Incomparable, I would I would say the experiences, and I think I think the fact they both got DMT in the title it's probably led a few people straight. And you certainly see this on things like DMT forums, where people are like, oh, I've just you know, I've done DMT five mE next. It's like, yeah, you know, dude, this is not like a, it's not like tasting beers, you know. It's not like oh, I'll, I'll take this one, this one. It's more or less the same stuff. It's, it would be like the equivalent of, you know. Having you know an apple and then having you know a meat pie, it's just they're just not the same. It's so, yeah. But I, I mean, that said, I would certainly recommend them both as an experience. I think they're both. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, probably are two of the most life changing experiences I, I've ever had. Um, I would say I. I, I I would probably lean towards more towards an end DMT just because I think it's just it's just more fun. Um, it, it's just it's it's just incredibly um, amazing, and I, I like I like to I like to feel that sense of um, sort of like childlike awe and wonder at uh, yeah, just something that incredible and unfolding in front of you. Whereas I think five ml DMT is much more introspective and, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a very funny one to In fact, I think when I, when I did a video on 5 or DMT and I, and I think I titled it like i am completely lost the words because <laughs> it, it's, it is, it's just so hard to describe It's It's, it just, you just kind of, and it's, 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 it's very white. It's very, um, yeah, it takes you right out of your body, but it takes you somewhere in your body. I just, fuck knows. <laughs> it's really, it's really tough one to describe it.
0: Yeah, I think that's, that's a kind of common theme that runs through pretty much all psychedelic experiences. I mean, I wonder what your thoughts are in terms of the, the with the legalization of marijuana, um, what your thoughts would be around the legalization of kind of more in, 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 psychedelics um, primarily how how do you think that would go? If we're both from the UK, I think you said you live in Switzerland at the moment. Um, how do, is it Switzerland that have, have they? Is it them that have um, kind of what what do you call it? Not legalized, but
1: not not decriminalized. Sort of decriminalized. Um, they're more they're more loose than the UK for sure. So things like five me or DMT you can actually just just mail order here. Uh, certain things are, are are still criminalized. So um, DMT. Uh, they're a little bit more flexible on on marijuana than uh, the UK, and they've got a bit of a little bit of sort of under the radar national pride around LSD because that's you know it was kind of invented here, uh, but still I don't think that's legal. I think probably where you're referring to is, is more Portugal where it's pretty much um, anything goes there. Um, my take on it is, so I'm, I'm in a bit of a funny position because on the one I mean I mean the first thing I do not want anybody. Um, be made a criminal for having these decencies. I think I think that's just completely wrong that said I don't think they should necessarily all be completely readily available like I you know I'm my parents I've got two kids um, and I'm, I'm fine with them you know doing the same things that I did when I was exploring these things I think it's an, it's an inevitable part of growing up but um, yeah I, I, I I don't think I necessarily want people just being able to pop into the streets and buy things like, like, like DMT. I think the, the, the nature of the legal situation with them does serve as a bit of a gatekeeping thing to whereby you can get them if you want to get them. There are ways of getting these things, but they're not readily available. And that's where I worry about um, the legalization thing. Cause I've certainly been in places like Holland where, you know, you know, magic mushrooms were at one point completely legal, no they're not, but you could know they just replaced it with truffles instead and yeah, you, you just see people just completely just abusing uh, magic mushrooms, just, just swallowing them by the bag full and then just, just being a mess in the streets and yeah, that's not what I want, but I think in order to get to that place whereby um, we don't have people doing that, we're going to have to build something as a society we'd have to build something whereby people can use them properly uh, this is this is then going to be the trick because it's fine for someone like me who can you know like afford to go on sort of retreats and somewhere like South America and I can do this in a safe you know safe space which has been specifically created to facilitate these retreats um, but obviously that's not that doesn't happen say in the middle of Manchester there there isn't a space like that. Um, so what do you do well you do it in the streets with your friends or you do it in a park with your friends so I think there's got to be if if we are going to go down that legalization route it cannot be that cannot be the end of the conversation that oh well you know good times no things are legal it's got to be and here is the framework we are going to put in place in order for us to be able to to work with these these things properly and then of course I think that you know you get onto the conversation then about, about like more hard drugs things like heroin and cocaine and yeah, for sure, I, I would not want those things being, uh, you know, freely available because I think they could be incredibly destructive. But again, I don't want anybody penalized for these things. Uh, I think people should have the sovereign right to, to to choose what they want to do, you know, for themselves. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's one of these where it's it's a it's a messy conversation, and it's probably for people smarter than I am. Um, but I think I think we should move towards integrating them into us as a society but it cannot just be okay well there you go it's legal go go wild guys
0: yeah i I mean i think after the the invention of of lsd the, the whole scientific community just kind of took a a collective step back because they didn't know what to do with this substance they had no way of explaining it and i think from there it's never there's i think nowadays especially with um is it in John Hopkins University? The, the, the experiments are happening with um, DMT, etc. And you've got to push to, to um, use things like ketamine for for um, depressive disorders. I think it's starting to move back in. But like you say, I think education is the big thing because if whilst you will always hear things from your friends, especially if you're growing up and, you, and you're younger, if you've got people that you respect and your peers that you're looking up to that can educate you on these substances, it's probably going to allow for more responsible use from 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 the population at large rather than just as you say releasing the floodgates and letting people have at it
1: yeah i think it's 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 more just education as well i think it's also infrastructure and this is where um places like south america have have got one up on us um, because if you go to somewhere like peru it it's just baked into the culture you 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 know there are you know ayahuasca churches there's you know ayahuasca temples all over the place you can it would be completely normal to have a conversation with someone and, and they say, you know, what did you do last night? And they say, yeah, I went and visited my sister and what did you do last night? Well, I had a transcendence experience with ayahuasca. Oh, cool. You know, let's say uh, what you're going to get for lunch. That's, that's a normal conversation because it's, it's not a deal. If I went and had that same conversation at my office, the, the room would just disperse instantly. They think I was a madman, you know? So we've got to, first of all, we've got to get it into our, ourselves culturally but then, yeah, I think we need to have places. We need we need more like centres where we can people can go and, and, and sort of drop in and sort of you know like a church. I mean, that's this is the kind of why I think you know churches like Catholic churches or whatever are the are the dominant spiritual force in Europe because they are a thing where you can just go and drop in. You can you can drop in and you can do a spiritual activity be at church and. You know, there is a community to it, and you can take part in it. And I think we need that for psychedelics. I think we need that thing of where it's like, okay, it's it's a Friday. I'm gonna go and be with, you know, this this crowd. I'm gonna I'm gonna drop into drop into this kind of scenario. And so yeah, that's that sort of takes some kind of infrastructure to build that.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've we've definitely lost a lot of the community side of what we talk about in today's society. I wonder what you would say to the notion that the reason there's still such a stigma against um, psychedelic experiences, especially especially in the Western world, but I mean, equally so and like, all over the globe, is the, is the kind of fact that they, they do change your perspective on how you see life. I know for myself and many, many people I know, things that you started to view, or things that you previously viewed as, as quite important, suddenly they, they kind of lose that pull. So whether that's, you know, possessions, whether that's having a new car, yeah. At the same time, if we were to challenge, or if, if these perspectives were to change, that's going to challenge large financial interests. And as such, there is a there's almost a an incentive from from these f- from a currently established framework of society to protect itself against the influence of of a change of pr- pr- perspective or a, or a flip. Uh, have you ever th- kind of thought about what the the pushback force is against the the, the psychedelic acceptance?
1: Yeah, I. I... Again, I've got kind of mixed feelings on that one because I, I think if there's one thing that's been taught to us by kind of history, it's that um, industry and sort of commerce and capitalism will are very adaptable and are very good at getting, getting your sort of money. And I think that's and I've got, I've got absolutely nothing against industry or commerce or capitalism. Or all I think you know they've brought us all this kind of technology and stuff that we're used to, that and I'm, I'm sort of grateful for that. Um, but so but, you know, I think the I think we'll we'll see a shift, and I think that shift is a good thing. So I mean, I mean, the obvious things at the moment is I, I would say there's not or, or there's a, a large majority of people within the psychic community who would, given the choice, would probably favour. Uh, an electric vehicle, or solar, or solar panels, or stuff like. That. So, and you know, and it's and it's kind of it's becoming an easy choice now because they're kind of cool. You you, you want a nice Tesla? It's got gullwing doors and stuff like. That. I mean, I'd, I'd take one. Um, so the the commerce will, will 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 fit to the the new taste. It's like, hey, you you guys, you want to be more environmentally sort of sound. You know, you want you want to be more one with the planet. Well, here's your indoor herb making garden and here's your um, bed that was made out of recycled materials and blah, blah, blah. There is a way for, for that machine to keep on trucking. Um So I don't think there's, I, I don't particularly buy into the narrative that there is a push back um, against uh, that, that like there's a kind of a shadow brokers of people trying to like, how, how can we shut these fucking psychedelics up so we can carry on selling our nitro belching Harleys or whatever um I, th- I think I think that bit will, will adapt I think yeah I, I'm I'm not too sure either about the the kind of the political sort of angle the idea the idea of like the man trying to trying to science it I think I mean that that was certainly there there's no doubt that that was there in like the times of like Richard Nixon like you know he, he was pushing back against people um uh, protesting, you know the Vietnam War and stuff. I, I, i My impression is that people have gotten a very limited understanding of what is going on with these substances. Th- even the people who take take them, I think, have got a limited understanding. Of what I, I certainly don't have that great an understanding. So yeah, who knows? Who knows? You know, I, you know, I, I think governments are notoriously shit. Um, I don't. I, I think it would be. Um, I, I doubt they've, they've got their heads together enough to, to, to do enough of a pushback. And I also think that just with, with the way that psychedelics are at the moment, it's almost impossible to, you know, stuff everything back into Pandora's box. You know, it's very easy to, um, you know, do your own DMT extractions. It's very easy to grow your own mushrooms, very easy to grow your own cactuses for things like, you know, mesclun. And so, yeah, the kind of like the days of needing some kind of like shadowy infrastructure to get hold of these things is kind of gone. Um, a lot of the kind of, you know, the recipes for the stuff sort of out there. So yeah, I, 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 think, I think the world will adapt around it. And then I suppose the, the kind of the, the potential dark side there is, is that we'll, which I think I've, I've certainly seen a lot of people have concerns with is about capitalism, um, overshadow or bringing these things into the point where they make them ugly um so you know the, the classic things are what, what's been in the news of, of you know opening sort of um psychedelic centers where they're just trying to like pay, patent all these different parts of, of, of the process um I'll, I'll lock it down and so that okay well we don't want people doing stuff at home, so we'll keep that part illegal for you to do at home. But it's legal to do it in our centres where you pay us. This is, you know, this there's that's the ugliness um, side of things. I I think the way to do it would be to have both options open. I think if people want to do it at home, which they are doing anyway, that should be fine. And that if people want to go through a more guided experience and want to pay a premium for that, I think that's fine. That's exactly what I'm doing when I go on retreat. I I I go on retreat not because I want a cup of drugs because I can. Make that same cup of drugs on my on my kitchen, but it's because I want that framework. I want that therapeutic framework where I'm going to disconnect from my life for seven days or or longer, and have someone guide me through an experience. And so, yeah, I think that's I, I, that would be the kind of the utopia. I think we should we should aim for is, is having more of these kind of retreat settings available to more people because that solves a lot of the problems that we talked about at the beginning first of all it, it gives you a safe place to do these things it gives you a community where you could interact with other people I don't I, I don't particularly like the model of one person sat in a hospital room wearing a blindfold listening to Enya or whale song and with a doctor sat there monitoring them for eight hours and then you know asking them how they felt I don't think that solves the, the, the connection problem. Whereas I think getting in a room with people and sort of, you know, feeling people going through a process with you and, and sort of, you know, forming some bonds with those people, I think that's, that helps with the connection problem. It helps with with your own sort of problems. Um, so, yeah, I think that that would be the, the direction that I'd like to see things going.
0: By the sounds of it, it seems as if, for yourself and for others, you view the, the you view these psychedelic experiences as as definitely one of the the kind of main benefits they bring is, is, a, is a therapeutic aspect, and I wonder what you think about the fact that people are obviously seeking these experiences, and um, the contrast of the psychedelic experience with the kind of sober experience of of being, you know. A, a human being in the 21st century. There's a, there's a definite disconnect between those experiences and the fact that the psychedelic experience seems to have, for a lot of people anyway, it seems to help with a lot of mental issues. You mentioned PTSD earlier. It helps with depression. You know, is there, is there something happening in the 21st century, in the world, the, the world we've designed for ourselves, that is fixed by psychedelics, that we can we can learn from the psychedelic world? There seems to be something wrong. There's an imbalance somewhere.
1: Yeah, I think I think it's it's a lot of things we kind of talked about. I, th- I think the first is that we have, I th- I, you know, if we if we cast our minds back to where we come from as a species, you know, you know the kind of typical cliche like the you know the person in the cave, where you, your your entire life would have been completely focused around your survival, around shelter, around where your food comes from, um, and we've kind of taken that to, like the hyper extreme where. Every one of us pretty much lives in a fortress. No, I mean we literally—you know—if if we were in medieval ages, th- these would be castles that we live in. Um, they are—our food is completely on top. Each one of us will have cupboards stacked with with food, and you know, fridge fridges—you know—ways of preserving food, which would have gotten people through like the harshest of winters. And we just put it in the fridge and freeze and then throw it away when it goes out of date. So we've—I think we are—you know—we've we, got all this. Wiring to be in a certain way, and again, you know, a lot of this then comes down to things like connection, whereby you make alliances with with you know other people so that you can all get through these things together. But now we just wall ourselves into a little fortress, and we've got our stuff in the and we can just yeah we can just turn on Netflix and forget all about it. And I think that's where this this clash is happening within us because it it doesn't something within us just tells us it doesn't make sense and. You know I think this is why people when you know people want to go hiking and people want to go walking and camping and stuff like that you want to go and swim in the lake or you know you, you, the typical English thing you want to go to the, the the seaside and you want to pull you know pull your pants up and stick your feet in the ocean just so you feel connected to something and but that's not our life and I think that's what we need to 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 change somehow and I think and one way I think we can do that is it, it is by having a um, something where, where you you're in reverence to something else, where, where you are in, in communion to a you know a higher power, and again, this is where you, you know it, it gets tricky because you kind of start going into what what knows is the language of, of uh, mainstream religion. But the the framework itself is is absolutely fine. I think of, of uh, have something that you are aiming for. It's just that make sure that something that you are aiming for is something which better's you as a person which betters your your community or betters the world is, is not just um token worship which is where i think a lot of, of religion has, has gone wrong and i think this is why when you talk to a lot of um kind of old school religious people it, they don't even seem to know what's what's actually in the texts it, it doesn't actually mean anything they, they're just parroting it back at you um and i think that's that's part of the the, the beauty of psychedelics is that you, you you experience it, you have direct experience of the thing you are talking, of the transcendent. That's probably how you got in this place in the person. You it, it happened to you, it landed on your face, you know, I know you're like, and you're trying to, trying to get your head around it.
0: I think that's a great point. Like you say, we are living in these castles and we live in such a way at the moment that we are able to kind of shut out the outside world so we can construct these artificial environments that are perfectly suited for our needs. Psychedelics comes along, and it shows you reality. And to kind of use your metaphor, it will smash you in the face with it repeatedly. You don't. There's no option to look away from the very realness of your own existence. And I think for I
1: mean, mean, if I can just add add one in there, Dan. I think I think there's uh, just an extra. So within these castles, what I would say for a lot of us who kind of you know grew up in, in the town that we did, not only are we sort of locked in our castles, but then our primary interaction probably outside of those castles. Is like something like your are on video games. You, you, you're shooting people in the head on Call of Duty, or you're telling people to fuck off on the internet, or you're going on Facebook and saying, you know, what an ugly bitch somebody looks like. <laughs> because you know, it, just everything is a, a lot of the path to interaction are just there to to blacken your soul, you know, for a better term. So it's it's no wonder, I think, that we we we, we we're screaming out for, for these um, these real connections, like, I, I want you to see me, you know, I want you to see my avatar on Facebook, or I, I want you to see see me. And yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of that just thought this came to us as this whole sort of analogy around, around castles, but it's, we, we, are, we are the archers kind of leaning out of the, of the holes, kind of taking pot shots at our neighbors, when really what we want to do is, is you know, walking across the castle and saying, hi, my name's Rob. <laughs>
0: introduce ourselves exactly i mean to kind of start wrapping things up we've obviously spoken about psychedelics a lot is there is there one per- particular message or one particular insight that you've taken from from all your psychedelic experiences, or maybe as a collective that that you feel is is worth sharing
1: i um, there's a few but the, to be honest they're all very mundane because i think that's that's my particular um to a better word problem is that I, I make things very complicated uh, for myself and uh, and this is what I like about psychedelics is you know it comes back to your sledgehammer analogy before is that when I'm in these spaces and I think that the just the weight of the world is just bearing down on my shoulders and everything's just infinitely complex and like oh my life's just so fucking so troublesome and then it just like it you know I'll just get that kind of mesh, like dude it, it, it's okay you're actually doing okay you you know the the, things are it's it's actually really simple if you just let it and i I was kind of sit there for a moment and think shit yeah you know like you know what a what a gift i've just i've just flown halfway around the world to take part in some cultural ceremony that is like as ancient as time and i'm i'm you know i'm feeling you know i feel all this connection that I've, i've been talking about i'm feeling it in this moment and it's just so simple, and it, it it's not a it, it's it's not a particular pearl of wisdom that you can that you can share. There's there isn't an, an answer to this. It's just uh it's something to be experienced, and you've got to let yourself experience it. And I think that's that's the only um, sort of message I, I would sort of share that out there. Like, don't like like first of all, to kind of let, you know trusting yourself. To to have these experiences and, and say yes to these experiences when the universe like sort of offers you the chance, I, I would say, you know, for the most part, say yes, you know, seize the opportunity, and, and then just just be content for it to be what it is. Um, it's you know you don't uh, you know again you don't have to you wouldn't expect to come down from the top of Mount Everest saying ah yeah that top of Mount Everest that that means this it's a, it's no you, you sit there. You, you look around, you, you take it in and it means something and it stays with you like forever. You, you, you did that thing. You, you challenged the mountain, you got to the top, you got, you know, whatever it meant to you personally. And, and what it meant to you personally might mean absolutely nothing to anyone else. They might be like, like why it's cold. I'm not going up there. It's stupid. It might fall off. So I think that that's, that's the only kind of, um, insights or, or, or piece of wisdom i would i would dare to try and give anyone. it's just it's it's your story go, go in there and yeah have have your experience and take it for what it is
0: i think that's a great lesson i think so many of us look to the outside world for um validation on on things we've done in life or, or the way even the way we see things or beliefs or political ideologies and really it should be finding a finding a contentedness within within yourself and being and being able to live with yourself and, and 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 not not using the external world as a as a kind of measuring stick to to which to view your own your own kind of self-worth
1: yeah and, and I, I can see why people do that because that that isn't an, an easy pathway to this kind of community thing that we talked about so if if you and i share a mythology if if we import the same mythology and we you know let's let's go like a cult example there is a cult leader and he says this and you and I both say okay this guy's this guy's the bomb let's do that we're no brothers in that cult and yeah that and that's something and you can probably get a lot lot of um, benefit just from the brotherhood aspect but in terms of what's been pumped into your head you you're not actually having to think about that, and this is this is one of the things I I, I try and do on my channel is I I want people to think for themselves. Um, and I'm not necessarily saying that I'm right about any of this stuff, um, but I'm pretty sure that a lot of other people aren't right about this stuff. And there's a lot of um, and a lot of the people who are importing this stuff and clearly not thinking about it for one second. There's there's no, uh, you know, I I have people try and challenge me on stuff who clearly don't understand the point they're trying to challenge them. And they, they just feel so passionately that they just how dare you, how dare you challenge my thing? You know, it's when you see the kind of the most extreme sort of religious types on, on TV or whatever, It's like, I don't understand my thing, but fuck you, you know, don't you say that about, about my thing. And yeah, I, I get I get stuff like that all day long. And I think it's just just think about it. And if you think, if you think about these things and come to come to your own conclusions then even better let's have a conversation about that thing because then we can talk about things in in a, you know we can challenge each other and I would much rather have a conversation where, where ideas are being challenged and were making me think about stuff rather than you know an a, a conversation where everyone's just agreeing with everything because you know some leader figure has has said to do it so I, I think yeah I, I I think people should always i mean this is part of this whole integration topic think about the ideas that you're putting in your head um don't just sort of it's not true because somebody said it's true um you know you don't have to necessarily believe in you know the plant spirits just because you went on a, on a, a retreat to breathe but you can do and that's that's fine but make it your but make it your belief believe in it because it because you know because of, of your because of your own meaning your own story um, so yeah I think that that's a, something something that I, I I feel very strongly about I want people to to have their own sovereignty I think
0: I think that's a good lesson to take forward in life um in terms of the YouTube channel have you got any plans for the future is there anything you're working on that you're excited about is there a direction you want to take things is there any kind of avenues of exploration that you haven't yet looked at that you're you're kind of wanting to get your your, your claws into so to speak <laughs>
1: uh yeah t- t- uh, too many to be honest um I, I, I'm, I'm one of these people i've, I've probably got about yeah i've, I've got 30 or 40 half finished ideas where i, I start from like i've got to write this i've got to i've got to prepare this and then it'll yeah it, it, i'll get another idea and that one will take over so um I've, there's a lot of unfinished ideas some of them are getting Quite complicated in terms of the, the way I want to film them and stuff. I've got. I would say that's that's the part of the hobby that I enjoy the most is doing stuff that's kind of um, I I can't think of a better word than, than silly, but certainly being more creative. Um, so you know, some of the videos I made with this kind of stuff I've got going on in the background here were it's it's storytelling basically, and I'm, I'm, I'm telling my stories. And again, I'm not telling people what to believe. I'm just saying this is my interpretation of something that happened to me. I'd like to do a lot more of that, but they are quite um, labor intensive to do. Um, um, but so, yeah, that that's one thing. I do also have a, a project I'm working on at the moment with a couple of other psychonauts where we are um, looking to, basically, we've invented a device for, uh, for smoking DMT. And that's something we're going to look at sort of Trying to trying to get mass produced, um, and so that's a kind very exciting project for me. We kind of we we've, we looked at all the kind of all the devices that we'd used over the years, and sort of okay, well this this is okay at this, and this is okay at this, but this this part bugs me of this, and this bugs me. This. And so we just thought, well, why don't we try and make our own? And so we've been working with a designer and. Got some really interesting uh, designs and prototypes built up. We've been doing lots of some, some 3D printing to, to build some some workable prototypes. And yeah, we, I'd say hopefully we're coming to a point where I'm going to be able to announce that soon. We're hoping to do a uh, some crowdfunding to raise enough to be able to get a, an initial uh, batch of these things manufactured.
0: I'm having flashbacks to when they're making, what was it called? Was it the machine, which is you would break a glass bottle and hold a, a glass smashed glass bottle up to your face and stuff it with um like wire or steel wool and then use that so i think i think alternative and safer ways to to utilize dmt would 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 be a would be a good a a good avenue to progress down
1: yeah and also just one thing we realized as we are doing all this kind of tinkering with these because you can utilize these kind of like these vape devices these days and you realise just um, how inefficient these things, things like the machine and glass pipes, are, um, because you find you can use a fraction of the amount of the substance and still get the same effects. Um, so yeah, it kind of we just realised how much it was kind of like being being burnt due to sort of overcooking it with the lighter or whatever. So yeah, that that's something that we we're, we're looking at doing, and we don't know whether it's just going to be an initial kind of like boutique run of. Or like a one- off of making these things we, we just want to make it for ourselves but who knows if that that could potentially turn into um, a, a separate kind of business angle we don't we don't know so uh, there's there's a whole lot going on there but in, in terms of the channel yeah I, I just kind of um i really want to the the part that interests me most is this kind of community part i want to um i, I want to try and put my money where my mouth is and, and say, like, it, it, what, what is the community part of the psychedelic community? Um, I'd like to, you know, organize a few sort of, you know, a few of my own, uh, like group trips out to various retreat centers. Uh, because I'm one of the things I've, I've come across when I've been talking to people is that they want to do these experiences, but they're kind of reluctant to do it solo, you know, because they feel, so they don't feel confident necessarily going out on their own and just, you know being in being in a sort of a strange country and going through a strange process. But whereas if, if there was a group of us that we're gonna meet somewhere and then we'd all go through it and we would like hire out this retreat as, as a collective, then they, they feel more comfortable with that. So that's something I'm I'm uh, I'm looking into um so yeah a, a few things on the plate. Um we'll have to see how I many of them actually come to fruition because I again I, I do this all as a hobby on my side. So everything I do with this channel happens in like you know I know or two in the evening um, and a, a little bit of time at the weekends and around that I'm fitting my, my job, my nine to five job, my family, my kids. Um, so yeah, it's uh, not enough hours in the day at the moment.
0: No, you'll, you'll, you'll certainly be kept busy. Um, so, I mean, just if people want to check out more of your stuff, obviously you have the YouTube channel, um, Adept to Psychonautica. Where else can people find you? Or is that the best place to go?
1: I mean, that that's the best place for the main content. Um, for the, the kind of... The more uh, chatty communication angle, I'd say my main platform is probably Discord. Uh, so, again, it's just adept to Psychonautica. And there is a link to it within the YouTube channel. If you, if you look at the, the banner at the top, there's uh, links to Discord. Also, I've got a subreddit. But I would say Discord is where I'm um, leaning towards at the moment for my kind of like secondary uh, thing. So, if people want to come and chat with me, send me a message. Um, also, we've got a sort of community there of like people who will you know, offer advice around uh, Cyclics or how to set up some of these electronic devices. You can sort of come there and talk to myself or some of the other kind of members. Um, and then for those who want to support the channel, then we've got a, a I have a, a Patreon. And then there's a, there's a few extra sort of features there for, for people who are patrons, where there's like sort of a Patreon on these things and, and certain videos that only those guys get access to. Um, but yeah, all the details, I would say, if you go to the YouTube channel and uh, look there, then it's, um, that's got all the kind of the links and stuff like that.
0: Cool. That's this. That sounds sounds good. I'll make sure, as I said, to stick stick the links in the description of this. So if you're if you're listening to this, if you go scroll to the bottom, you'll be able to find a link to all all Rob stuff there. Thank you very much. This was a this was a fun conversation. It was, mate. Thank you. And, and, and hopefully we can speak again soon. And I'll let you get back to your to your evening, back to your family.
1: Cheers, mate. A, honestly, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. So yeah, if you want to have, have a chat again, just give me a shout. And uh, yeah, I. Um... Let's catch up again sometime soon.